Support for this podcast and the following message come from the University of Alabama. Through Bama by Distance, you can earn a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree with online coursework and affordable tuition. Learn more or apply today at bamabydistance.ua.edu. Easter is over, and that means you probably have leftover peeps all over your house. Lorna here has a tip. So, so Lorna, what, what do you call this? Peep jousting. Grab two peeps, preferably different colors. So you can have like a blue team or a yellow team or whatever. Oh, these guys are fresh. These are the chick peeps too, not the bunny peeps. Does that matter? Um, I think the bunny peeps fall over. So now we're going to stick. So what Lorna is doing here is she's taken these these two marshmallow peeps and she stuck uh, toothpicks in them. Uh, so it sort of looks like they're holding a, a sword. So she puts them on a plate. They're facing each other. They're about an inch apart. And like they're going to they're going to joust, essentially. We, we don't know what their beef is, but they're apparently about to settle right. it. So now we're going to just kind of put them at a minute 30 and watch and see what happens. Whoa! That's that's a disaster. The one on the left just blew up. Uh, hard to know what happened there. It didn't want to fight. It was a pacifist peep. He may have a sword in him. Yeah. 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 We have a winner. We have a winner. So yeah, so the one that didn't expand, he just kind of stood there with his sword until the other one expanded into it. And uh, was was stabbed to death. He was it. He allowed himself to be impaled by uh, a, an attacker who just stood still. It's peep aside. It's different than a normal sword fight um, in that we can we can eat the uh, combatants afterward. Yeah, the you, you the winner gets eaten just as quickly as the loser. Do you want to try it, Lorna? No, thank you. Yes. Yes. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to play a video game for over 80 hours on one quarter. And we'll tell you how to live in your truck. But first, we've been hearing a lot lately about military dolphins. Russia uh, had a dispute with Ukraine. That involved military dolphins. Uh, Now people are saying that that maybe uh, the uh, United States military dolphins will be facing off in the Black Sea against against the Russian dolphins. But here's the thing, we have no idea what military dolphins actually do. Polly Mazins is a tech writer with The Wire. Uh, she's researched military dolphins and she's online with us now. Polly, can, can we just start there? What What is a military dolphin? Okay, so a military dolphin was a concept that we believe began in 1960 with the U.S. Navy. It is a dolphin that's been trained by the Navy. It trains five days a week, just like a soldier might, and it can do certain very particular things. The main thing that it's able to do is use its sonar to detect underwater mines. These mines are very difficult to detect. Pretty much nothing man-made can find them as well as a dolphin can. The other thing that they can do is if, for example, something's been dropped in the water, they can go and retrieve it relatively easily. They can also usually find a and this is an odd way to put it, but enemy assailants. For example, if there is a diver that's in their waters that shouldn't be there, the dolphin is relatively good at finding it because they're so familiar with their surroundings in a way that one of our U.S. Navy divers might not even be. Well, wait a minute. So how do they, they find these things? 
then what do they do? So they do this thing. It's basically they go, they find the mine, they go under the water, and then they have some kind of um, detection. So usually they'll use a ball or a plate. So they'll go up, go back onto the ship, and they'll tap their nose against a little disc. It's usually a red disc or a red ball. And then the person on the ship, their trainer, will know, okay, the dolphin's detected a mine. Then they'll give them a little buoy, and the dolphin will bring that buoy over above on the water level where the mine is underneath. It's... uh. Are they okay? I mean, is this dangerous for them? These mines are actually created so that if creatures find them, they won't be hurt. So they're actually made. The entire mine is designed that if a dolphin were to find it, the dolphin is completely safe and the mine isn't detonated. Because of that, we found that it's much better for a dolphin to go there than, say, a submarine, which is large and heavy and therefore could detonate the mine by accident. Got it. So really, these these dolphins are are basically playing a a form of, like, fetch or something. Yeah, in a way, they are playing fetch. Or Minesweeper. Yeah, so, uh, definitely more like Minesweeper, especially because the buoy that they use looks a lot like the Minesweeper thing. It has an acoustic transponder attached to it, and that transponder allows basically the Navy to communicate with the mine and be able to detonate it safely without hurting any dolphins or any humans or other sea creatures. If I'm uh, if I'm out in the ocean, is there a way I could tell a military dolphin from a a regular, a civilian dolphin? (laughs) That's a very good question. So I would say overall you wouldn't be able to tell a military dolphin versus a civilian dolphin. There have been some accounts and people have put up pictures uh, of dolphins with, say, spears attached to their heads or knives or holding little cameras. That's very, very rare. I have only found one account in which a dolphin legitimately was equipped with any kind of uh, gear, and that really? was them holding a little camera on their fin. Oh. So you wouldn't be able to tell, but I would say is that you probably won't be coming across any military dolphins. They're generally places in which you don't want to be hanging out. Can, can I ask, uh, did the military dolphins, do they know that they're military dolphins? <laughs> you know, I'm, I think that they do. Um, I would say that they know they're military dolphins because they're definitely doing something a little bit unusual. That being said, every dolphin is still a dolphin first and a military dolphin second. Um, the Navy in Russia actually had a lot of trouble with this because they would train their dolphins in you know, the deep ocean where they would run into natural dolphins and all of their dolphins were male. And whenever they would see a female dolphin, they would go off with it and mate and then come back a couple of days later. So the Russian Navy had a lot of trouble getting their dolphins to understand that they were military members first and animals second. Well, so, okay, so we know that uh, countries have military dolphins. Do military dolphins ever fight each other? Not in any history. So they're not even trained to fight. The sea lions are trained to be able to uh, acquire human beings. They can put a clamp on their leg and have them reeled in if they find a diver in their territory. But dolphins can't do anything quite like that. Wait a minute. Let's talk about the sea lions. They're military sea lions, too? Yes, they're military sea lions. The U.S. has about 20 of them. The sea lions can do um, slightly different things. So sea lions have really incredible vision, but they don't have any sonar. So what sea lions do is actually just go after basically equipment that's been lost at sea, divers that might be lost, or divers that are not supposed to be in that territory. They use a D-shaped clamp that can be attached to the leg. So what happens is that the sea lion identifies this diver should not be in my territory. 
it takes this clamp, it attaches it to the leg, then it pops back up, it signals to its trainer that it's attached something, that it needs to be reeled in. And then the ship can actually reel in that person, that diver. So, so what branch of military do the sea lions work for? They work for the Navy also. So they're Navy SEALs. Oh, God. Yes, they are. They are quite literally Navy SEALs. Well, Polly, thanks so much for talking to us about dolphins. Of course. We heard from Gary. Gary says he listens to How to Do Everything while his wife Cheryl cuts his hair. Gary and Cheryl, these next 15 seconds are for you. I know, Gary, you like to keep a little bit just over the ear, but I'm with Cheryl, and I think that maybe it's time to trim that back. It's not 1978 anymore, right, man? Come on, Gary. There is a new world record in the world of, of video games. The longest time playing a video game without stopping. John Salter has just set that record playing the game Armor Attack. John's on the line with us now. So, so John, can you tell us uh, how this record works? One quarter, drop a quarter, and then play for as long as you can go. And I went 85 hours and 16 minutes. In addition to being a... An incredible record. That's also a really good value. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was, you know, I'm trying to save money. It is a bad economy, so I figure I get the most I can out of my gaming these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how? Yeah, so. so physically, how do you play a video game for over 80 hours like that? The thing about it is, is you can get five minutes of break time for every hour that you play, for a maximum accrual of one hour. So during those, during that five minute break time. You know, accrued up to an hour, depending on how long I played, I would take a break, and in that break, I would take naps. But you said you were doing it on one quarter, so the the game kept going when you were napping? Yes. Um, Armor Attack, uh, I basically came up with a strategy for Armor Attack uh, to where I could really crank up the men counts, or jeeps. You're cruising around nice little, cool little jeeps. So I, um, at one point, I had like 985 jeeps, I think. That's like extra extra guys. Extra men, extra lives. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was you know the game the game lasted eighty five hours sixteen minutes, but there were sleep breaks in there, and uh, in in that forty minute break, I would lose two hundred and twenty five lives. Oh wow! So, so you know, losing losing two hundred and fifty men when you have nine hundred isn't isn't that bad. No. But then I don't know somewhere along the line, there's a lot of hallucinating that goes on too during this. <laughs> Um, which is funny. What what did you hallucinate? It's not like what you think, like, you know, pink elephants were running in front of me in the, you know, in the room or anything, but the, the walls will close in on you. you. You probably heard that, you know, like in TV and movies. And what, what, I, what my mind will do will take anything I look at and any of the lines in there, it'll, it'll, I, can, I can find a face. It'll draw, it'll, it'll bring a face right out to me. And, and then the corner of my eye, if there's like a, uh, say that the, the couch out of the corner of my eye, the shape of the couch, would my mind would draw would draw someone in like there was somebody sitting there. So I'd always think there was someone sitting on that couch and of course when I looked they wouldn't be there. I knew they weren't really there, but yeah. your mind draws that in. So so John, you got you got this record, you played for eighty five hours. How, how long until you, you played the game again? Oh, I didn't play for a couple of days. I I um <laughs> Well what are what are you playing for then? You've already you've already played for the longest amount of time. You have the highest score that anyone's ever played for played what's the goal when you're just playing casually now? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I don't, um, I think it's just that 
in, in the back of my head, I, I want to be able, I want to know everything there is to know about that game. And I don't want there to be anything in that game that would ever happen that I couldn't thwart <clears throat> it, you know, where I would, where I conquered the game. And there's still, there's still some things in that game that I don't feel I know and I don't react quick enough. And I guess it's maybe going for perfection. Well, congrats on the record and thanks so much for talking to us about it. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the call. Hopefully I didn't talk to you up too much. And once I get in a roll, sometimes I have a hard time stopping. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> that seems to be your issue, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good day. All right, thanks a lot. You remember Matt. I do. He's our wildlife guide. He taught us what to do in case we come into contact with a bear while hiking in Alaska. Yes. He also taught us another lesson. You don't need a house to have a home. Right. That He really did, actually. That sounded a lot more cloying than I meant it to. Yeah, no. He lives in his truck is what mm-hmm. he's getting at. Yeah. Um, which presents a lot of challenges. He's figured it out. Um, and first of all, we should say, Matt, you don't look like a guy who lives in his truck. I don't think I look like a guy. Oh, I mean, I don't have a like a lice infested beard. Yeah, I'm, I'm under the age of thirty. Yeah, um, yeah. My pants have few patches to them. Yeah. So if that gives you any idea, we're standing. I should say we're standing very close to Matt, and he does not have any <laughs> major odor coming off. I wouldn't even say even a minor odor. No, I don't, nice. smell, I don't smell anything. A lack of musk. That's that's yeah. nice, that's a nice compliment. Thanks. So, so Matt, how do you do this? So, tell us about your truck. How is it outfitted so that you can live in it? Oh, it's, I'm not, you know, you can find some of these trucks where people have carpeted the back and have cabinetry and hanging fixtures and cable TV. Um, I don't have that. I have a piece of plyboard that sits on crates that I put my sleeping bag on and sometimes blankets if it's really cold. Um, That's pretty much the crudest interior design I've managed so far. I guess one one kind of ornate addition I've had is um, when you live in a truck and you move around in the truck and you find places that are less friendly towards, you know, I don't know, drifting types, like the whole Midwest. Um, you end up in a lot of Walmart parking lots, among other places. But Walmart's nice. It's, you know, surveillance 24 hours a day, which can be good when you're around a lot of people. That's a good tip. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, having shoppers come out with their, their best buys, walking by your truck, it gets a little uh, indiscreet when they're staring into your cap. So you have to outfit it with some kind of... You know, nice shading device. So I have these really nice curtains my mother actually made for me out of a, a floral, a red floral print that I hang up over all of the windows when I'm in there. What did your mom say when you said, I need curtains for my truck? Well, that was long after the discussion of living in my truck. So she was kind of habituated at that point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to think of the things I do at my house. Uh, I wake up in the morning. First thing I do is go to the bathroom. Yeah, I thought you'd get to that <laughs> point. Um, I don't have a chamber pot, which... A lot of people I've seen living in trucks have, or at least a bucket of some kind. Uh, it helps to be a guy, so there's some strategy. Like we were saying earlier in Walmart parking lot, there's bathrooms. That's nice. Uh, but if you're in kind of like an in-between area where there's plenty of private property, but no place to use the facilities, I don't have a good solution. You just you try to be discreet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's some bad memories there. Yeah. yeah. Is there much of a community? Do you uh, hook up with other... Um, what would you, like, drifters? What would you, what would you call yourself? Truck people. Truck, truck people? Truck people? I yeah. haven't. Once in a while, I've met one or two folks. 
they always seem to have better digs than I do. They have really? like a full camper unit on the back of their truck or they have lights. I've seen like real nice light fixtures inside the back of the trucks and it's kind of embarrassing. And they tend to be older than I am. So yeah. even among people that live in their trucks, <laughs> you're rugged. <laughs> I'm I'm low class. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- if this is a personal question and if, you know, feel free to we'll just edit it out if you don't want to talk about it, but let's say you're in a situation where you um you know, you meet someone you're going to have a, you want to have a romantic evening with <laughs> the the time comes when you say, let's, let's go back to my place. And my place is a truck. Do you, do you say, let's go back to my place? <laughs> Probably where it goes differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, first off, I can't claim to meet too many people in the truck. Um, <laughs> you get out of the truck yeah, sometimes, Well, sometimes, right? but not, not in places where there's usually a lot of people. And then, yeah, I know you kind of get into a, a natural hermity sort of phase where just those questions have obvious answers like, well, who would ever want to come back to my place? Mm. Um, yeah. So I can't say I have any actual experience. I bet I would just go back to their place. I think, yeah. I'm going to advise, yeah. Yeah, I'll go back to their place. Yeah. I also <laughs> feel like maybe we should do a how-to on how how Matt should meet some people. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it shouldn't be that hard. I'd listen. Yeah, that yeah. would be nice. Yeah. Well, let's let's do it. Let's help Matt. Yeah, all right, so, good idea. All right, we're leaving the interview with Matt. And uh, on the line with us now is Amy Sedaris. So, Amy, how would you do it if you were in Matt's situation? I mean, if, if, mm, I mean, if I lived in a truck, well, I mean, I guess that would be the very first thing. That would be the icebreaker. I, mean, I, I, would, I would say it, I live in, in my car. Yeah, I don't know if he want if he's interested in picking someone up and bringing them back to his place, which happens to be a truck. Then he needs to go someplace where that would. I mean, what woman wouldn't want to live in a truck? You know that you can make money with a truck. That might be a plus. Maybe he should hang out at cra- cap, you know, campgrounds or someplace yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Or it's like you know, it's it's like the boat people. You know, only certain people are going to want to live on a boat. You know, right. they're going to be attracted to that. So. He's going, maybe he, you know, he's he's barking up the wrong tree. I, I think we need to talk to Matt here to kind of pump him up. Because he's got a lot going for him. He's got those nice curtains. Yeah, but how do you know he's got, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like everything his mom made him. I, I don't, I don't know. I bet there's something else going on, going on with him. I just, I mean, I'm just jaded, right? I mean, I've had, you know, I just don't trust people. I mean, I've had a bad experience trying to get my refrigerator fixed, you know, and I've been getting the run around from a couple of different appliance places. So I have a really bad attitude about okay. people right now. Wait, was Matt <laughs> like, involved really in angry. this? angry. And so, I mean, who knows? Like, this guy here now, because of the situation I've been through this week, I'm starting to think this guy is just full of shit. You know, I just don't trust anybody right now. I yeah, I hear you. And you know that, what I mean? And whatever he's telling you, look, I got this. My mother made the curtains. It's like really, I I don't know. I'm, I now I'm just starting to to I, I just question that. Yeah, well, I think I think the 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 issue here is he he's not. I I I will. I understand you've had a hard time with your appliances, and that that's horrible. <laughs> whatever. But I can't I, calm down. <laughs> but go on. I want to let me vouch for Matt because he's uh he seems like a real stand up guy. Well, I make can, somebody happy. And uh, I just think he has a problem selling himself. Well, I would also add that we're doing this probably more on for us than for Matt. Matt didn't ask us to find him uh, a date or any type of friendship. We kind of came to our own conclusion about Matt here. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of actually just more meddling, we are meddling than helping. Yes. I don't know. Maybe he's happy to be by himself. And, you know, a lot of people are. Maybe just, that's just it. He's just a loner and he wants to be by himself. I think he actually probably is. 
and he's happy with the one thing that gives him everything he wants, which is his truck. No huh. hassles. Again, the compass on this this whole thing has shifted. Yeah. You know, first, we were trying to figure out how to live in a truck, and we were trying to figure out how to find love in a truck, and, and now I think it's it's about you and I just learning how to leave well enough alone. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. Okay. Just, well, you know, he seems, I mean, if he's happy, he's attractive, maybe it'll just come to him. You know, he'll find yeah. somebody if that's if it's meant to be, but if he's not looking, you know, I just don't think the truck is going to lure anybody. You know, it would yeah. be the same thing. I, I mean, if someone told me they lived on a boat and they had a tuna tower, I mean, that's a deal breaker right there. I don't want to go live on a boat. What did you say, a tuna tower? <laughs> yeah, where they can spot tuna. You know, like no. fish for a living or something. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Tuna tower? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not dirty. Yeah. It does sound dirty, doesn't it? Well, with that jaundiced advice, Amy, thank you so much. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Amy Sedaris is a writer, comedian, and frustrated refrigerator owner. Yeah. If anybody's, you know, has a fridge, if you're in proximity to Amy Sedaris, just get it over there. Or at least let her, you know, put her, her frozen meats yeah. in your fridge. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that uh, amongst all the different branches in the military, that the Navy has dolphins. I I like picturing them in uniforms. Yeah, uh, I'm. I get the feeling that's probably incorrect, but uh, I'm, I'm just gonna stick with that. Well, I think if you can imagine, kind of Richard Gere in an officer and a gentleman, and then imagine next to him, a dolphin also in like a dress white uniform. Is there any military movie that isn't better if you replace the protagonist with dolphins? Imagine Top Gun. That was some of the best flying I've seen yet. Right up to the part where you got killed. You never, never leave your wingman. Maverick. It's not your flying. It's your attitude. The enemy's dangerous. Right now, you're worse than the enemy. You're dangerous and foolish. You may not like the guys flying with you. They may not like you. Well, whose side are you on? How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Seth Kelly. He's actually a military Seth. Is that right? That's why he's wearing the sailor uniform. Is that why he's got that camera attached to his fan? Our artist in residence is Justin Witte. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian Chillog. And I'm Mike Danforth. This is NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. More information is available online at carnegie.org.